When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Kenobi Breakdown. I hope you're all having a great day. There was a lot that happened in this episode, of course, just like all the other ones, but this one, of course, well, spoilers, had Vader in it, and he fought Obi-Wan. There's a lot I had to say about it during the watch party, which was four hours long, thanks to everyone who showed up. Over 18,000 of you live. It was a great turnout for the Star Wars community, and I had a really great time watching it with you all and seeing your take on everything and just debating everything as well. I'm going to be making a lot of videos on this episode because there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about, so let's get right into it. Kenobi is once again reaching out to Qui-Gon Jinn, his old master. I guess in these 10 years, he hasn't been able to reach him at all, so Yoda's training hasn't been going too well, I suppose. As he hears voices of the past, like Yoda telling him, only pain will you find, which he heard in Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith, when he was looking at the hologram of Vader fighting other Jedi during Order 66. We hear Qui-Gon's plea to train Anakin, reverberations of Anakin on Mustafar, where we start to see glimpses of Vader being put together now, really connecting the fact that Anakin and Vader are now the same person physically. Obi-Wan can feel Darth Vader and tells Qui-Gon he is coming, Master. As Vader walks out of his chamber, which looks like the same one from Rogue One, we get a beautiful shot of Mustafar and his castle. For those new to Star Wars, this is the same place where he fought Obi-Wan Kenobi and lost, burning alive. This is also where in the comics he opened a portal beneath the castle to bring back his dead wife Padme, which of course didn't work out as planned. Check out the Marvel Darth Vader comics and Darth Momin for more about that. I have plenty of videos on it. If you also notice, the tip of Vader's castle is shaped like a tuning fork. This was to signal something in the galaxy, and I remember during the sequel trilogy this was something many of us were contemplating when Rogue One came out. Who was he trying to reach? What was he trying to do? Why was it shaped like this? Now Mustafar is a perfect force nexus of the dark side. This is why Palpatine wanted Vader to go there and it allowed him to really harbor his emotions, which I'm gonna talk about in just a moment when he looks out of his window. And I'm gonna talk about what he was exactly looking at, or at least what I think. Vader sits atop his obsidian throne as he orders Reva around via hologram. Where is he, he says. And we hear this in the James Earl Jones iconic voice. Now I feel this could be perfected with some audio engineering, like how they did Luke Skywalker's voice, you know, in The Mandalorian, being completely computer generated. He tells her that Kenobi is all that matters, not the Grand Inquisitor. So Reva has told everyone, including Vader, that the Grand Inquisitor was killed by Kenobi, to which of course Vader will realize that this is impossible once he fights Kenobi and sees that well, he's quite pathetic. He explains that he knows what she wants to be the Grand Inquisitor. And if Reva brings Vader Kenobi, he will award her the promotion, the title. This is almost like Anakin getting the rank of master. Now if she fails, he will terminate her. So Vader has definitely given the go-ahead to the Empire to track Kenobi down and notify him once they have him in near sight. Vader ends communication and gets up like a robot, 
his lightsaber hanging from his belt emitter side up, and we can see the lightsaber has actually been changed to the A New Hope version with the bubble strip, not the Revenge of the Sith one. Ten years has passed, so he has definitely altered some things. He stands by the window as he peers out to what I think is a direct connection to the books where he's looking out at the riverbank where he burned. Now he often did this as it fueled his rage and kept him strong. Palpatine encouraged it. The Sith relished in their pain. It made them who they were. In the book Dark Lord The Rise of Darth Vader, Vader actually did this quite a bit. He would look out at the same spot that he burned from Obi-Wan and remembered his past. And he built his castle very close to that spot for this reason, to always be reminded and to always be in pain and anger. Kenobi and Leia head to Mapuzo as Leia asks Obi-Wan to use the force to make the ship go faster. He says that's not how it works, and I feel like this was sort of a nod to Han Solo saying it in The Force Awakens as the audience watching, or well at least it made me think of that. Now one of the most beautiful lines of this series so far is Leia asking what the force feels like, where Master Kenobi tells her that it's the same feeling as when being afraid of the dark, and then you turn on the light. You feel safe basically meaning that everything is clear. Except, of course, that whole part in the prequels where, you know, the Jedi were blindsided by the Sith. As they land on Mapuzo, a mining system, we see a lifter droid and an R5 unit. Now, R5 was the droid in A New Hope that had the bad motivator, which was replaced by R2-D2 to Luke Skywalker and Uncle Owen. Now, this isn't the same R5 unit, it's just a R5 unit. Leia questions Obi-Wan on why Haja would lie to them about finding help on this world. And so Obi-Wan snaps at her, saying that not everyone is good. Now this to me is the new state of Obi-Wan. I feel like this really is the hurt Obi-Wan Kenobi from the events of Order 66 and Anakin's turn. Where he's been betrayed by the person that was the closest to him, so trusting some random new acquaintance, a thief really, is quite impossible. And he has to sort of let Leia know this, that not everybody has good intentions. This also shows how trusting and young Leia is, and shows her pure-heartedness that we obviously eventually will see in the original trilogy, very much like Padme. As Obi-Wan looks out into the distance, he sees dark side Anakin in his Jedi robes, glaring at him. This is the first time that we see Anakin played by Hayden Christensen in anything since Revenge of the Sith. I had to do a double take. I couldn't believe it was him. I can only imagine what flashbacks of Anakin will be like in this show. Hopefully we get them. I feel like we will. Now, of course, Kenobi is hallucinating. That or Vader's presence is nearing and Obi-Wan is feeling it very fast. Reva lands at the Inquisitor HQ, which is on the moon of Nur. Now this stronghold, known as the Fortress Inquisitorius, was a place where the Empire brought Force sensitives of all ages to be turned to the dark side through horrible means. Now not all of them would be turned to the dark side, the ones who wouldn't would of course be discarded, or well, other things would happen to them. My theory is that Palpatine ran tests on them, maybe for his cloning facility, maybe for his own experiments, who knows. Now she walks into the room with the fifth brother and the fourth sister as she orders them to fire probe droids, when the fifth brother makes her almost faceplant onto the table with the force, showing his immense powers over her. Now clearly Reva isn't as strong as him, however she is gifted in her abilities, one of which we know is reading minds and mind probing. They eventually launch probes after a power struggle, where the fifth Inquisitor tells her that he's next in line to be the Grand Inquisitor. So clearly they're all kind of just fighting for the same spot. They all just want to be promoted 
Now what intrigued me here was when he walked out as he told her that he hopes he gets what he deserves, and he hopes she does too. Where she silently says, me too, me too. And she looks like she's really pondering the situation and the outcome. Now the first thing here that I notice is that this is a very from a certain point of view aspect, which funny enough, it is the Kenobi show. You know, from the fifth brother's point of view, he's looking at it from his best interest. And from Reva's point of view, she's looking at it from her best interest, which both are polar opposites of each other. Now clearly Reva has motive to be Grand Inquisitor. I don't know what that motive is. She's not a Vader fanboy, I don't think. I think she just wants to be the leader of the Inquisitors for whatever reason. I think she wants that power, she wants that revenge on someone. It could be Vader, it could be Obi-Wan Kenobi, it could be maybe someone else that we haven't met yet. Maybe it's Quinlan Voss. Maybe Quinlan Voss brought her in and she felt abandoned by him. And we're eventually going to get to that. But of course, if you've watched the episode, you know Quinlan's still around, which is great. Kenobi and Leia get picked up by an Imperial freight driver who I think is Seth Rogen. He buys Leia's story about being lost in the desert with her father, Obi-Wan. And I think this really builds on just how quick Leia is on her feet. She really does what she wants, and it's very reminiscent of Leia. They pick up stormtroopers on the way, and it's a very tense moment. I really loved this scene. I thought it was really fun. They make small talk on the vehicle, and it's revealed they're looking for a Jedi on the planet. Kenobi slips up and calls Leia by her name instead of the fake alias that they made up, Luma. This is not very fitting for Obi-Wan Kenobi, but we must remember, and this is the point, this is a perfect example of a very rusty Obi-Wan. He's been out of the game for a decade, he's not as stealthy as he used to be. He looks at Leia and tells everyone that she reminds him of her mother and that they all miss her very much. Once the troopers leave, Leia finally realizes that Obi-Wan knew her mother and asks if he's her real father. He says he wishes, which confirms that he had a thing for Padme all along, see I told you. No, I'm just kidding. As she talks about wondering what her dad was like, this was of course a very emotional and touchy scene. It's a very heavy scene because we all start to think of Anakin and how positive he used to be before he turned to the dark side. And how it's sad that Leia never got to know him. It makes me wonder just how the Skywalker kids would have turned out and been raised had their father been in their lives and their mother. Like how Qui-Gon would have raised and trained Anakin properly had he not died to Darth Maul, avoiding everything that's going on in the galaxy now, most likely. We learn Obi-Wan remembers of his family before the Jedi took him, so this is pretty cool. We learn that Obi-Wan actually had a family, and he's talking about it, including a brother. The Jedi would seek out Force-sensitive kids and take them from their families to be trained by the Jedi and fulfill their potential, serving the Force. He remembers his mother's shawl and his father's hands, as well as a baby, which was his brother, he thinks. So this is canon. Kenobi has a brother, and he's probably not Force-sensitive, because if he was, the Jedi would probably have taken him at the right age. Or they left him there. Maybe he is Force-sensitive, but they figured Obi-Wan is more Force-sensitive. And taking his brother there would just complicate his emotions and form attachments. He speaks of then joining the Jedi and getting a new family, reminding us all of his service in the Clone Wars and all his fellow masters like Mace Windu, Yoda, Qui-Gon, and of course Anakin. We kind of understand that it's sort of sad, the lives of Jedi. You know, they're taken at such a young age and they're taken away from their families. And of course, they're given new families, but for them during the Clone Wars, they were just kind of thrust into this life of war. Jedi to be made generals. Peacekeepers turned to soldiers. Freck stops and stormtroopers interrogate Obi-Wan. 
Now as they bring in a probe droid on him to scan Obi-Wan's face, Obi-Wan quickly opens fire with the blaster on his belt. His aim is impeccable as he destroys all the troopers and the droid, only to be rescued by an Imperial officer who clearly is the friend Haja was meaning for them to meet. She's posing as an officer, of course. The Inquisitors are notified about Obi-Wan destroying the droid, and Lord Vader was informed by the fifth brother much to Reva's anger. So, Vader is well on his way, and I can only imagine his anger boiling as he heads to Mampuzo in his ship. Kenobi enters with Leia, and they meet a loader droid, who I think is actually Wrecker. He doesn't speak, meaning his voice is recognizable. He's posing as a loader, which means he has to be super strong. He's massive and tall, so I think it's Wrecker. That or it's Rex. Or Quinlan Vos, but I doubt it. I think it's Wrecker. They enter a room that many Jedi have been in. This is a safe house called The Path. It all leads to Jabim, where they give Force sensitives that were captured by the Empire new identities and free them. As Leia asks what happens to those Force sensitives, it's revealed that no one sees them again. So I can say what happens to them is that the Empire takes them in and tries to convert them to the dark side through any means necessary. As Kenobi reveals carvings on the walls from Quinlan Vos, we finally get canon information that Quinlan is alive. My boy is still around. This is amazing. We haven't heard of Quinlan in forever. No one knew if he lived or died from Order 66. Quinlan was a very, very powerful Jedi during the Clone Wars, where he helped Obi-Wan on many missions, and he had a unique ability shared with Cal Kestis called Psychometry, where if he touched an object, he'd know where it's been and the people who handled it before him, mapping the object's journey and memories. Quinlan turned to the dark side under Count Dooku, and then later back to the light, falling in love with Asajj Ventress, who was Dooku's apprentice. In a final fight with Dooku, Asajj threw herself in front of a devastating Sith Force Lightning attack from Dooku that was intended for Voss, and this saved Voss's life, but it fried Ventress in the process. Voss was heartbroken, and we didn't really know what happened to him after Order 66 until now, so this is great. So his job is that he smuggles Jedi that have been captured by the Empire and saves them from the Empire themselves. This is a very Quinlan thing to do. Always selfless and ever caring of others, especially the youth. I hope we see him in the show and get to learn more about him. Now, if you didn't know, fun fact, we actually get to see him in The Phantom Menace when Obi-Wan, Anakin, Jar Jar, and Padme, and Obi-Wan are walking through the desert in Mos Eisley, just as Jar Jar gets assaulted by Sebulba. You can see Quinlan in the background. Obi-Wan reads what Quinlan has written, and it says, only when the eyes are closed can you truly see the way. I think this means that when you drown out the surroundings, can you truly feel the force and not be distracted? As stormtroopers enter and interrogate the loader, who I think is Wrecker, we see he's holding a hammer behind his back. Now this is not a droid thing to do, more so a very human behavior. We also see a close-up of its legs. These look like clone trooper armor repainted and a little bit thicker. Again, could be Rex or Wrecker. As they leave, Kenobi senses Vader and runs to the window to look out. As they see the Inquisitors line up, standing straight as the Dark Lord walks through the village with their heads down, he just picks people at random, force chokes them, throws them in the air, cracks their necks, drags them through the dirt as they scream for their lives. I think this is Hayden Christensen in the suit. He just walks like him, obviously morphed with some Vader of course directed by Deborah Chow, but I can tell this is Anakin's walk. I really hope this is Hayden in the suit, and I think it is, although it's not confirmed. Kenobi runs away, and he stopped to see Vader in front of him, igniting his crimson red saber. Obi-Wan wants no part of this and runs away. 
finally igniting his saber as Vader tells him that he can't hide forever. We get the best line in the show, I think so far at least, where Kenobi says, what have you become as he sees Vader for the first time? And Vader pauses and says, I am what you made me. They fight and it doesn't look good for Kenobi at all. Vader overpowers him and he's literally toying with him. 10 years have led to this moment where Vader wants Kenobi to suffer. He's also extremely cautious as in this 10 years, he's had time to reflect on everything, all of his failures and realizes that his loss to Kenobi could have been avoided had he not been so arrogant and quick to make decisions. A failure that he's now going to pay for the rest of his life. Rageful Vader is learning about Kenobi. He's more tactful, he's more experienced, he's more composed and patient, but all the while, building upon that rage and anger inside of him, waiting for the right time to really unleash. And also we have to realize that he doesn't want to kill Kenobi right away. He wants to torture him, he wants to play with him, he wants to make Kenobi pay and suffer. Reva finds the safe house, Vader lifts Kenobi with the dark side of the force, choking him, spilling flammable material on the ground and igniting it with a saber. As Obi-Wan drops his lightsaber on the ground, and is thrown into the fire with the force, dragging him along, paying him back for how Obi-Wan left Anakin on Mustafar burning alive, telling him this is only the beginning for the pain that he's about to feel. Vader clearly wants Obi-Wan to die very slowly, only after suffering to Vader's enjoyment. Then, maybe Vader will take his life. That's why he didn't go all out. He's savoring the moment. He probably wants to find all of Kenobi's friends and kill them in front of him playing with his food before he eats it. As stormtroopers come in, Vader orders them to bring him in when one is shot by the lady helping Obi-Wan, posing as the officer, and she explodes a canister into massive flames. Vader watches Kenobi being picked up by the loader droid, who I think is Wrecker or Rex, and we see the flames in his lenses. I think this symbolizes rage and his past with Obi-Wan, the fires that burned him into who he is today. Now this for me was weird because I feel like Vader would just jump over the fire or walk through it or just douse it out with the force like he did a minute ago. That suit is pretty much invincible. You can be in space, you can be in the depths of water in any pressure, you can be in the depths of lava even as he's been in comics and he is perfectly fine. It was designed to go anywhere and to pretty much do anything. For example, his cape is extremely epic in the sense that it's blaster repellent, it's fire retardant, and it can protect him. Obi-Wan is taken to safety as the Empire tries to find him again. His burns are very painful, so he's quite delirious, and Reva intercepts Leia and captures her. Or at least I think she's about to capture her, unless we get another slow chase scene or something. So overall, I think the episode was really cool. I think it was really fun. However, there were a few things that didn't really sell to me, such as Vader not going through the fire. I mean, maybe he wants Obi-Wan to suffer. Maybe he wants him to feel some fear that Vader is going to find him again. Just really prolonging the moment, savoring the moment. But I just feel like at this point, Vader would be so full of anger and rage that he would never let Obi-Wan leave his sight ever again especially not some flames to get in his way. Now, as for him being afraid of fire, well, he lives on fire. He built his castle on Mustafar, so I don't think that's a proper analysis or excuse. 
Obviously, the episode has to end somehow on a cliffhanger, but I think Vader walking through the fire would have just been so much more badass. It would have really cemented the fact that Vader is not afraid of fire. I and mean, he's not as fragile as Anakin was, let's say. The music to me was a little bit off. It doesn't really feel fully like Star Wars music just yet. I'll go over this in a full review, of course. There were some moments that we got some Star Wars-esque themes, I feel like, when Obi-Wan and Vader were fighting. However, for the rest of the episode, it didn't fully have the same sort of feel that, let's say, the Mandalorian had with the music. And I'm not really sure why. Other than that, I think everything was really cool, and I think it was an awesome episode. It was great to see Vader once again, finally, and to see him just be so psychotic and just dragging people through the sand and soil was pretty cool. It truly screamed Vader is a very terrifying being, and he's truly sadistic now in the dark side. And I think he scared the crap out of Obi-Wan. So going forwards, I think Obi-Wan will have to regroup. I think he's going to have to fight Vader again, because right now it breaks canon if this is the last time they fight, and I don't think it is. I think, you know, definitely there's going to be another one, and Obi-Wan will probably have to overcome Vader in that next one, because if we remember in the A New Hope line, the last time we met, I was but the learner, but now I am the master. So clearly, this time, Vader was the master, so the next time they fight, he's going to have to be the learner. Otherwise, it just wouldn't really make much sense. Now, how is Obi-Wan going to basically get his powers back in three episodes? There could be a time jump, or there could be the fact that he fights Vader, he's losing, and Leia is threatened, and Qui-Gon Jinn comes to Obi-Wan as a Force ghost and sort of wakes him up. Or Obi-Wan goes to Dagobah and trains with Yoda and Qui-Gon and sort of realizes that he is the last hope for these children, for the galaxy. I think it would be really cool to see Yoda again. I have tons of videos planned, lots of stuff I want to talk about in detail, in specific videos about certain topics, including Vader, Qui-Gon, Yoda, Obi-Wan in general, and of course I'll be doing episode reviews, that's also something I'd like to do as well. Leave a like on this video if you enjoyed the breakdown, thanks so much for joining the watch party, I'll see you guys next week for that one, and of course for the many videos coming this week, stay tuned. And until then, remember, my fellow Jedi and Sith friends, the Force will be with you always.